Well, good morning and uh, welcome. Let's, um, let's begin just as we begin teaching this morning by joining together. Let, let us just pray, take some moment just to take some time, just to pray for Ukraine and our world right now. We have a number of slides here on the screen that you can find this, these on our social media uh, pages. Uh, going to just take us through a few slides as we pray. We're joining hundreds, thousands of Christians around the world right now as we come humbly before the Lord as we pray. As we pray, God, that there would be a different story as our politicians predict this a significant war potentially, but we long for God that you would write another story in our time, that you would tear down evil schemes, give wisdom from heaven to peacemakers on earth seeking a less violent way. God, we pray against fear that you would rescue those who are vulnerable from the hands of their enemies. Lord, we pray for the church in Ukraine, a nation which has 70% of the population call themselves Christians. God, we pray that you'd give them courage in this crisis, that they may proclaim the good news of the kingdom, bind up broken hearts, and bring comfort to those who mourn. God, we pray through this for salvation, that you'd save many people's lives in Ukraine. God, we pray for healing, that you would deliver Ukraine from the evil one. May you have mercy and heal the land and those who oppress it. May you give Ukraine and the people peace. And God, we pray for the Vineyard family. There are 11 churches, 11 Vineyard churches in Ukraine. And we stand uh, together with you. And we pray, God, that you would cause those who lead to stand with great courage great hope as they lead in such difficult and challenging circumstances. Lord, in your great mercy, together those of us here this morning, we pray that you would hear our prayers. Amen. Um, we continue our teaching series, Teach Us to Pray, and goodness, uh, I'm sure many of you will have tuned in during the week, and you're like, goodness, I, I'm not sure how to pray or what to pray. I was talking on the phone with Babs on Friday, and just like, not sure quite how to pray, and it's, it's very often in these circumstances, we're just like, Lord, just what? What? And... Um, it seems sort of appropriate in some ways that this is our series and it's something that 
uh, we started, Chantel started last week, we're continuing today, and we're going to pick up this theme over the next number of weeks uh, to help us to, to learn how to pray. Those of you who've been Christians for years, you'll, you'll have probably noticed that over the years, the way in which you pray and how you pray and the discipline of prayer uh, may well have changed, probably has changed. For some of us who may be new to faith, you're just discovering and learning um, this incredible gift and this incredible uh, practice, which is practiced by millions of those who are believers and actually those who are not believers. I became a Christian because I started praying. Literally, I had no faith, I had no belief, but like many, and Chantel alluded to this last week, uh, the pandemic and often through suffering actually in our lives that God brings us to our knees and that was certainly uh, my experience as a new believer that I, I began to pray and it was as I uh, prayed my prayers cumbersome and um, all, uh, just the best I knew I began to encounter the presence of God. And I think one of the standout moments or words or phrases that Chantel used last week is that prayer isn't about getting results. It isn't about getting what we want. Although when we pray, we want God to answer our prayers, especially if we're praying prayers of petition, asking from him. But it's actually more than that. It's about developing intimacy with him and relationship with him because when we pray we're talking to the almighty who invites us who beckons us who uh, woos us who welcomes us and it's actually through the discipline of prayer of, of being with him that we encounter his presence um, this morning uh, we remind ourselves of just what Chantel said the focus of her teaching last week was she spoke about thin places, these holy places, and it was really asking the question of where do you encounter him? Where, what place do you set aside to actually go and be with him? And it wasn't really that uh, the place was necessarily uh, a magical place, or I shouldn't use that word, but um, um, it was a deliberate kind of you're going to meet with him place and so uh, the question at the end was asked where is your thin place and what we want to do at the end of all of these teachings is give some sort of practical RSVP attached it's almost like uh, here's some thoughts here's what the Bible teaches uh, but we want to leave you with a question we want to leave you with an action and a prayer so and it was to contemplate where is your thin place and that has been picked up in some of our life groups and really good to discuss and think about that um, but I really, really enjoyed uh, reading yesterday. Uh, Michael Gurner posted something about, for him, their thin place was their living room, this place where they themselves, both Michael and Hazel, encountered the presence of Jesus through leading groups there that many of you, some of you will have been in and sat in their living room themselves, but that was a place, a holy place, where they deliberately would go to to be with uh, Jesus. In fact, uh, he, instead of his thin place, I think he called it the, the smell place or something like that. You'll need to read that. That will make a lot more sense. So why don't you just talk to uh, Michael or Hazel afterwards about that. And so that was really our practice or a principle last week. And this week we want to take things 
to a sort of a slightly different angle, and that is really to pray and to focus upon three uh, key areas. Pete Gregg, who we're going to quote many times this morning, simply because he's written some brilliant stuff about prayer, but equally, more than writing and talking about it, he's modeled prayer in such a wonderful way. And he says this, that some uh, really great advice that he first learned as a believer when it comes to prayer are these three simple phrases. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Uh, Jesus himself warned uh, really to those who are listening through his words uh, that it doesn't have to be kind of fancy or complicated prayer. And uh, just before Jesus actually uh, teaches the disciples what we know as the Lord's Prayer, uh, he says these words uh, written from the... I just switched off the microphone. It's now switched back on. (laughs) Pray with simplicity. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father uh, you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you Maybe I didn't. Okay. This one? Good. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very, very simply. And he's basically saying you don't need to come up with all these techniques or ways of doing things, although we're going to give lots of uh, helpful practices. But it's not necessarily the technique. It's not necessarily the wording that we use and, and feeling like that we've, we're spiritual enough to articulate the words in such a way. Jesus says to simply come and pray with great simplicity. And with that, Jesus modeled to the disciples uh, what we know as the Lord's Prayer. In the original language, uh, it was said that it was documented in 31 words and would take 30 seconds to recite in English and uh, would fit really nicely in a single tweet. I'm not sure Jesus was uh, thinking of tweets in those days, but it was something that was compact and was simple. Uh, Justin Welby, uh, the, uh, the current Archbishop of Canterbury, He said of the Lord's Prayer that it's simple enough to be memorized by small children and yet profound enough to sustain a whole lifetime of prayer. So keep it simple, but also keep it real. It has to be honest. It has to come from the heart, an overflow of the heart. Uh, Pete Gregg, in one of his books, uh, writes this story. If you've ever heard Pete talk about this, uh, his wife, Sammy, was significantly unwell and uh, was in serious, serious uh, concern of, of, of the worst case scenario. He writes in one of his books, One dark night when my wife Sammy was in hospital awaiting brain surgery, and long before we knew for sure that she was going to survive, my friend Dan kindly came to pray with me. Lord, if this is your time to take Sammy home, Dan ventured at last, articulating my deepest dread. Would you please give Pete strength to bear the unbearable? It can't have been an easy thing to pray. It was a faithful and biblical thing to ask, but I was having none of it. No deal, I said, interrupting without apology. No way, God, over my dead body. 
I was out of my chair pacing the room. If you are planning to take my wife from me, if you're planning to take a mum from her two little boys, well, you're going to have to fight me for her. Dan looked nervous, but I didn't care. I quit. I'm not going to go around telling people you're good if you don't prove it to me now. Tears were streaming down my cheeks. God, I just don't care what your will is. Let me tell you what my will is. I want my wife to live. I want my boys to know their mum. I need you to sort it out. It was almost howling my pain while poor Dan just sat there, probably wondering whether it was okay to say amen to this kind of irreverence. It was one of the most honest prayers I'd ever prayed. For a while I was embarrassed about the way I tried to pick a fight that night with God, ashamed that I had hadn't been trusted enough or holy enough to echo the magnificent submission of Jesus in his final hour. Not my will, but yours be done. But then one day the Lord showed me very gently that in fact he had cherished my willingness to fight for Sammy's life because he loves her too. That he wouldn't have expected me to do anything less. That he himself had begged the Father, take this cup from me before he managed the other bit. Keep it simple, but keep it real. Keep it honest. As we read the scriptures, uh, we encounter and we read of honest, heartfelt, gutsy prayers. Jacob wrestled with God in a night of prayer, so violent that he was wounded and never healed for the rest of his life. Moses whined about uh, the people of God to God, and called himself basically, why, why have you called me to lead these people? Such honesty we find in the Psalms, penned uh, often out of uh, great hardship and anguish. Uh, words that we read, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Why do you stand so far off? Keeping it real, keeping it honest in our prayers is really, really healthy and really important. As we say often in our church, come as you are. Come. God doesn't expect any different. He doesn't expect us to come um, with, with some sort of facade or some sort of, oh, I can't be anything other than myself. So keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Uh, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And there's a, there's a discipline, isn't there, in terms of persisting in prayer, continuing with prayer, not just simply one time, but, but to contend for things time and time and time again. Um, some of you will remember a book that we, uh, that we read, and we, read a, we ran a couple of life groups called The Circle Maker. This brilliant little book and a number of sessions, and it was really a call to prayer. And uh, part of the book kind of centered around the story, which we know uh, about how the people of God took the, the city or the town of Jericho. And, uh, and it was an interesting kind of tactic which the Lord uh, used, but it was to circle uh, the, the town seven times. And, and during this time, it was like a prayerful way of taking the city and taking the time. We read from the book, you need to circle the goals God wants you to go after, the promises God wants you to claim, 
and the dreams God wants you to pursue. And once you spell Jericho, you need to circle it in prayer. Then you'll need to keep circling until the walls come tumbling down. What is it that the Lord's inviting you into? What is it that God has entrusted to you that you're contending for time and time again, that you come before him honestly and openly in a simple way, but you contend time and time and time, praying without ceasing, not giving up, and just simply circling and circling, saying, God, I bring this again to you. I bring this to you again. One of the prayers we often pray in our own home, in our own family, is salvation to come to those who are nearest and dearest to those whom we love, that God would save their souls. It's a constant uh, prayer that's often prayed. Keep circling, keep persisting, keep knocking on the door of heaven. Love this uh, other Pete Gregg uh, quote. says this, But here is the great and inescapable truth taught in Scripture, modeled by Christ and advocated without exception for heroes of our faith. You cannot grow in prayer without some measure of effort and discomfort, self-discipline and self-denial. Just as you cannot get physically fit without regular exercise and a healthy diet, so your spiritual growth will be determined to a very significant extent by the prayer exercises you choose or do not choose to establish and sustain. It comes through some degree of effort, some degree of self-denial and um, self-discipline. Um, you know, some might choose to simply go and run a marathon, but it's not possible without lots and lots of preparation and training. You don't just get to stand at the start line without having done some regular, consistent training and exercise for it. And likewise, it is unlikely that we're going to just simply wake up tomorrow morning and go, do you know what, I'm going to embark on a two-hour prayer session. It starts small. It starts little. And after a period of time, we begin to exercise our spiritual muscle one step at a time, one moment at a time, one uh, deliberate daily choice, day after day after day, to keep practicing, to keep praying, to keep coming humbly before the Lord. Um, any of you heard of uh, an app called Duolingo? Just put up your hand. Brilliant. Duolingo is beginning to transform my life. I know that's hard to believe, but if you, in case you don't know what it is, it's a learn a language app. I was away recently with a good friend of mine um, in Spain. And uh, he, went, he ran a marathon and I only ran a half marathon. And uh, while we were there, we were spending time, and I was really humbled by his quest for the love of learning languages. Because if I'm honest, and those of you who know me well, I am rubbish at languages, like absolutely woeful at them, which is really interesting because Chantelle's brilliant. She can speak French and Spanish, but she did go to university to do those. I didn't even do a GCSE, praise the Lord, in any language because we were the first year at my school that we didn't have to do a language. I'd have had no chance of doing any well in it. So I do genuinely really struggle. So if I'm honest, I've kind of written off even trying. So even after a number of times going to the wonderful nation of Spain on our summer holidays, 
I am ashamed to admit that my vocabulary kind of extends to hola, adios, por favor. Um, I'm struggling to think of other ones. You know, thank you. Um, you've got Spanish blood in you. You should know better. And so I was with my friend, and we're out there, and he, he knew way more than me. And it actually inspired me to actually have a go at uh, doing this Duolingo thing. So I downloaded the app this week, and I have got a five-day streak, which simply means I have practiced learning Spanish, like real basic stuff. Some of you know that you'll laugh your heads off at how basic it is. Truth be told, I'm actually really enjoying it, and I'm surprised by that. Why am I telling you this story? Simply, I'm not about to learn how to speak Spanish tomorrow. And please don't ask me next week or come my summer holiday, well, Paulie, you're ready to, uh, you know, speak the language. I, I'm just step by step. And that's the point I'm making with prayer. It's step by step, little by little. But it chooses, what it requires is a daily daily routine and daily going before the Lord make our time enjoyable make your quiet time as it were uh, a place of meeting it could be in the morning it could be in the evening it could be on your commute but it needs to be a deliberate time if we just simply say oh, at some point in the day I'll do that the chances are we're going to miss it and we're going to miss out. Prayer. Pray. Pause. Rejoice. Ask. Yield. Those of you who might have used regularly or have used the Lectio 365 app, which is a brilliant, brilliant app, um, you've probably be able to recite these words at the very beginning of it. As we pause, P for pause, the words are, as I enter prayer now, I pause to be still, to recenter my scattered senses, everything that's going on, onto the presence of God. It's important as we come to prayer that we pause, that we stop, that we become still before the Lord. And the best way to start praying is to stop praying, to pause, to be still, to put down your prayer list and surrender your own personal agenda. Stop talking at God long enough to focus on the wonder of who he actually is, to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I, I don't know if you've ever pondered or wondered you know, how or why Often, not always, at the beginning of a service, I kind of just spend a moment, minute or two, just trying to, in some ways, draw us into the presence of God. It's because we come, all of us, most of us, rushed. I remember, especially when our kids were younger, we'd come to church, we'd probably had an argument on the way, trying to get out on time, rushing, and you sit there in the chair, and it's like, right, oh, yeah, we've got to be in. No, we need to stop. We need to pause 
We need a posture, not our physical bodies, but our spirituality, our thoughts, our gaze before the Lord. Moments of stillness at the start of our prayer time are often moments of surrender. I cannot emphasize too strongly how important it is for your spiritual, mental, and physical well-being that you learn to silence the world's relentless chatter for a few minutes each day to become still in the depths of your soul. You must seek solitude and silence as if your life depends on it, because in a way, it does. But don't panic. Something that you find, I'm there, I am that person. Although it is still good a discipline to practice and to at least attempt. For some, uh, me would be one of them, you will know well. Often in those places of solitude, sometimes being active, is still the same, it's just slightly different. But it is carving out deliberate time away from everything else, away from our mobile phones, away from other people to simply be and spend time with him. What we wanna do, uh, we wanna do two things actually this morning. This is the first practice and it's called Centering Prayer and I'm gonna teach us and lead us through that. And then what I wanna do is, uh, is model to us prayer ministry. But first, first things first, centering prayer. This isn't necessarily a technique, it's just a helpful tool, a helpful practice. Uh, this again is on our social media pages, you can get this, you can screenshot it and save it onto your mobile phone. And uh, it's just a really helpful way of praying. And I'm going to lead us through that. So if you're in the room or if you're at home watching that, I want you to just join in with me as we do this. So the first thing that we do is we simply invite. So we would find a quiet place where you won't be disturbed. That's possibly your thin place, but it's your deliberate place where you are. So we're all together. Usually we're by ourselves, but we're here. And we're still. So we let go of the thoughts, our scattered senses. We let go of the things troubling us, causing us any sense of worry. We lay that stuff down. And now we just choose either a single word, could be come, could be a short phrase, I'm here for you, it could be you are here, I am here with you. Another phrase could be, I receive your love. So just in this moment, choose a word or a phrase and just do that. Receive your love. 
receive your love. And as you say those words, see what he does. I receive your love. Receive your love. And just rest. Waiting in his presence. We just end that time. Thanking God, thank you for being here with me. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That was about two minutes. And just deeply profound. In just two minutes. As we continue to practice that might become five minutes might become longer now again it's not technique it's not magical it's just a simple kind of structured way to help us to practice being in his presence that's called centering prayer you can find that on our Facebook page so as we recap just really briefly this morning we've been talking about keeping our prayers simple keep them real and keep it up and our practice for this week is centering prayer have a go at it have a go at doing that in your life groups in your friendships in your relationships talk about it if it's not that talk about how do you spend time with Jesus let's do this together Amen Amen